Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Folks, last week there was a cryptic public warning uh, made by Representative Michael Turner, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, that the U.S. had new intelligence about a serious national security threat and of course that set the news agencies off and running trying to learn more about this uh, intelligence that ultimately led to uncovering certain details of an anti-satellite weapon that was uh, uh, deployed by russia here to talk to us about it lieutenant colonel daniel davis senior fellow and military expert with the defense priorities uh, lieutenant colonel welcome to the show Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you inviting me. When I first heard this information, I was like, oh, my God, now what? You know, in light of everything that's going on in the Middle East and Ukraine and, and, and the China situation uh, with Taiwan. Um, and it turns out to be uh, the Russians here. What, what is it exactly that we're talking about? Well, you know, I think it's been a lot of hype because actually it's not that a new weapon was deployed, which would have been a little bit more concerning. This was a capacity that is being sought. It's something that they're, uh, they have an aspiration to create. But the, the bigger issue is that Russia has had anti-satellite capabilities for decades. I mean, for a long time, they've had the ability to shoot down satellites. Uh, we do. The Chinese do. Uh, so it's it's nothing new. It hasn't changed anything that didn't already exist. And uh, it's a little suspect, frankly, that uh, the chairman made this, uh, you know, this kind of statement as though there was something imminent that was hanging over our heads uh, because there really wasn't. And, you know, a lot of people suggest that this was just an attempt because he's also a big advocate of sending money to Ukraine to hype up the Russia threat to make people say, oh, well, we really better uh, make Russia fight harder on the battlefield, you know, because we've got this space issue but those are completely unrelated. Uh, I, I'm just speculating there. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I can say with a lot of confidence that there is nothing imminent or changing that, that would alarm Americans. Um, he's a Republican uh, because they hold the majority in the House, obviously serving as the chairman. Uh, but but it did set off some kind of strange and odd diplomatic communications through mediaries that um, – we, we really kind of almost had enemies communicating with enemies ab- about this information. Well, I'm, you know, of course, I'm, I've been an advocate for quite a long time that we need to be talking to everybody. That used to be the normal thing of diplomacy. I mean, you go all the way back through the, the Cold War, and we were always talking to the Soviet Union, even when 
you know, and especially actually during like the, the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis when everything was at stake. But we did throughout the whole Cold War. Uh, so it used to be a normal thing to talk to even your adversaries because otherwise, how are you going to make sure that there are no mistakes, miscalculations, uh, misinterpretations, et cetera? So if that was the case, then that's a good thing because we need to be talking to even Russia. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, in fact, my follow-up question it was going to be that what you just answered was, why is that strange? Why are people calling that strange? Because uh, as you point out, there's value into talking to everyone, right? I mean, we're seeing that in the Middle East. We're seeing that uh, uh, not as much as we would like to in Ukraine at at the present time, but uh, certainly we're seeing that in in communications with China relative to Taiwan. Yeah, the reason why it's coming across as strange is because there's been, you know, kind of seeping into American foreign policy over the last few decades after the Cold War especially – is this thing that we don't talk to anybody we don't feel like talking to. You know, we're not going to talk to terrorists, for example, or we're not going to talk to regimes we don't like, like Cuba or North Korea, uh, or, or if Putin's not doing something we like to, to them as well. And, you know, we've been on and off even with some of the, the Chinese people and some of their um, higher military echelons with the Department of Defense, et cetera. Uh, I think that there are so those in the, the State Department and in the U.S. foreign policy at large recognize that that's not a really smart thing to do because, I mean, literally, if you're obviously, if you're not talking, you're not even having the possibility of resolving anything. A lot of people want to use the the idea that you don't talk to them and you talk tough so that makes them come back to you, and that's just not working. So now we have to go back to old-fashioned normal diplomacy. Lieutenant Colonel, but it, it, it has turned out in, in, in the not-so-distant past that we util, we characterize that as a political weakness and we use it as a political tool in attacking one party or the other. Uh, I know that it came up in the previous two presidential elections where, you know, somebody was talking to our adversary. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, if I could just be so blunt, that's childish. Uh, and it's pejorative. It's just trying to make your opponent look weaker because they're talking to somebody and, you know, making it sound like there's something wrong with that. But when actually I think the opposite is true, there's something wrong if you're not talking to them. But uh, that's just, you know, part of politics this way is these days is using whatever tool and device you can to make your opponent look weak and to make you look strong, whether that happens to be good for the country or not. That's just kind of how they do it, I guess. Let me ask you just a, because I, I don't know much about this, but if someone was to deploy some type of anti-satellite system, and what I mean by deploy is actually use it, um, what goes on in space is pretty indiscriminate, right? I mean, you, you have little or no control once you decide to blow something up where the debris field goes. You may put your own satellites at risk. And, and your own allies' satellites at risk by blowing anything up out, out, out there. Absolutely. That is 100% right. And we, we know that for a fact because in 2007, the Chinese uh, tested one of their anti-satellite uh, missiles uh, allegedly on one of their own satellites because it was in danger, so they claimed. But it was clearly a test, and it did. It had this enormous debris field uh, sending literally thousands of pellets moving at thousands of miles per hour hurtling around the space, and it just continued to expand on its on its orbit. That, that's just one missile and one satellite. 
which now other satellites have had to navigate and maneuver out of that field so that they don't get hit. If you have a large-scale deal, because apparently the capability that, that this uh, that Russians are trying to get would be a massive strike that could like take out a whole area, a whole region of space above a, of an opponent or whatever above themselves. Uh, and, and if it did, it would just create this massive, massive field that now that it would hit your own satellites, and you know, and it's not something you can just redeploy new ones if they get shot down like a plane that falls out of the sky because the debris stays up in the air, uh, the space above the air. So anything else you put in there would be at, at common risk of being hit. And the more debris, uh, the more likely it is that to happen. So it, it would almost shut down space uh, in that field for indefinite amount of time. Is this more of a game that's being played? I mean, you know, with releasing some of this information, I mean, you know, when we, when it becomes known of aspirations, but as we point out, there's no way of controlling what's going to ultimately happen up there. Yeah, it, it is uh, definitely a, a gamesmanship. Uh, everybody plays it. Uh, you know, the one side wants to, you know, leak the information to, to scare your side into thinking we can do something. Uh, the other side wants to say, oh, well, if you do that, then there's going to be these consequences, so you better not. And, you know, and then it all comes down to, you know, what happens. I mean, we try to – obviously, it's the best if you can influence your adversary with words as opposed to actions that could have consequences that could rebound. So you'd rather do that. But, the, you know, the concern comes as if one day one side or the other uh, thinks they can either get away with it or if they feel compelled to act in a certain way and – you know, once these things happen, I mean, I can't imagine any scenario right now where either Russia, China, or the United States would uh, attack one of the adversaries' satellites and it not get returned immediately, which now then puts everybody's space. And you're talking, you know, Internet, uh, you're talking GPS, everything gets messed up uh, potentially for decades. We're in election year. This kind of seemed as though a kind of a scorched earth approach. How, how dangerous is the way that this actually played out? I mean, you know, for me, I was expecting something a lot worse once I started educating myself as to what we were talking about. But it occurred to me that we're playing a, a very dangerous game on a slippery slope by calling out just in general well, we've got a new national security threat out there, and somebody needs to start talking about it. Well, if there was a, 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 an imminent threat to the United States, like like if if the president didn't say something, we could get hit, and Americans wouldn't even know about it. We could take action, something that would be one thing. And and in fact, when I first heard it, I I just assumed that it was something like that. That oh my gosh, what is going on? But then when you find out that it's it's nothing at all imminent. Uh, it's not even an actual capacity yet. It's just an aspiration. Then it just kind of makes you roll your eyes. And in, in that case, I think the danger is now that you start to not believe anything that's coming out of anybody in Washington because they're just using things to, to try and to manipulate the political situation in their favor or something like that. And, uh, you know, degraded trust in the government is a real problem to me. Yeah, I mean, they're at an all-time low now. I mean, how, how much lower do you want right. to go? Right. Exactly. How far can it go? I mean, how far can it go? Exactly. Correct. I mean, but I, I'm glad that I, I, that you as an expert are saying the same thing. I, I thought it was something so much more. And I was like, yeah, what are we doing? Uh, I, yeah, how I, does honestly, this it's kind of embarrassing for for the congressman that once the truth did come out, because uh, then people are going, well, dude, what are you talking about? Uh, 
you know, because then it kind of it does. It's it lessens the credibility of anything else he's going to say. And you're talking to somebody who's the chairman of the Intel Committee for the United States Congress, and it's just not a good look. Yeah, and I think it's really dangerous when you have someone like myself who doesn't know anything about any of this, uh, who characterizes it in that fashion, because you just as you uh, appropriately pointed out, it ends up being the boy that cried wolf. Um, and yeah, it you know when it when when it repeats itself, how disruptive is this type of activity when we when we the way that this is played out to the intelligence gathering community? Well, you know, it, it just is. It's another ding. Uh, frankly, we we've seen so many times intelligence being misused. Uh, for political purposes, I mean, you don't have to go too much farther back than the 2003 invasion into Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction. And, you know, we were told the intel community was so sure about this stuff, and they weren't. They never were. But, you know, certain political figures uh, – I'm sorry, intelligence figures were used by the uh, political community to get a certain outcome. And, you know, now we know it was it was fake all the time, and that's unfortunately only one example. There's plenty of others. Uh, and that's that's the danger because and I, I know if I actually on my show Daniel Davis deep dive I had a former CIA officer on the other day that lamented we were talking about this that there are so many of the action level officers in the intelligence community whether it be a CIA DIA or any of these other intelligence agencies we have that know the truth they realize what's going on and when they see these statements coming by senior officials out it just is discouraging to them because they know that the Here's the true intelligence because I helped produce it, and then they see it being misused up at the top. And, uh, you know, it's really discouraging even to the intel professionals, most of whom are really good at what they do. And many of whom have folks out there, if it's not themselves, risking their lives trying to gather this information, right? Right. I mean, that's the reason we have intelligence, so that we can make sure that everybody is safe, that our country is not caught off guard, that we don't have another Pearl Harbor type event. You know, that catches us blindside. That's why we need intelligence, because there are plenty of folks out there who would do bad things to us if they got a chance. And we need intelligence community to keep us safe. Yeah, it's going to be I just find it, especially with the the three things that we're dealing with right now, not to repeat myself, the, you know, the Israeli Hamas uh, situation, Ukraine, Russia and then China, Taiwan, it, that um we should be more careful about what we say, who we say it to, and how we say it, especially members of Congress that are sitting as a chairman of a committee. Um, well, exactly. I mean, I, and as a matter of fact, this is another level because one of the things my, uh, Mike Domino, the former CIA officer, told me on, on our air last week was he said this is a concerning thing to him because it, when this gets used and put out like that, uh, you know, this now that it's public knowledge that, you know, we know of this new aspiration – what it tells the Russians is, okay, hang on, that means that somebody somewhere we've been penetrated. So now then they have to go back and look for a leak or look for a place where they were uh, compromised. Then they find it and they plug that leak. So now then all of a sudden we don't have the ability to continue monitoring it because the, the opening has been closed. That's the real harm of this, and that's why uh, he, he may have been trying to do something for political purpose here, but it had a backfiring effect, and now then – that's a, a a window to what Russia was doing that we probably don't have now. And side B to that uh, LP may be that uh, we could easily manipulate U.S. officials into saying things that we want them to say. I mean, well, yeah, that's that's exactly right. That was the other side of it, and, and yeah, they're both bad. Yeah, yeah. Side A is bad. Side B is worse. 
I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's it's hard to get your head around this and, and the motivations that are playing out here. But thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your time and your insight. Have a great week. You bet. Thanks. Same to you. All right. That's Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis, senior fellow and military expert with Defense Priorities. We will be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and text line. Stay with us. Give us a call, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and text line. We'll go to the text line. Larry's up. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, Sheriff. How are you today? Doing well, Larry. How about yourself? Hey, I'm well. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm probably jumping in the game late. I just got in my car. I was driving. Um, My comment was on the concealed carry, but I really wanted to get your take on it uh, more. But I'll say my piece, and that is just I can't believe that in a couple days period we're going to have concealed carry uh, in our town. And um, the opportunity, I think, you know, if people were afraid now, you know, and that's the reason why we're doing it. <laughs> we better be afraid when everybody's packing without a permit. Because um, nowadays, if you look cross-eyed at somebody or there's a beef on the street, they don't pull out their their put their dukes up anymore and, and punch one another. They pull out a gun and shoot you. So I, I'm I'm really afraid of what of what this is going to do to our society. I'm. I'm really interested in getting your take as a professional and law enforcement officer because I know they've the sheriffs have have been against this over the years. Well, I'm concerned. I mean, I think you would agree, Larry. I don't see a lot of uh, emotional intelligence being exhibited out on the streets of our city or anywhere, for that matter. It's bigger than our city. That's the ability to manage one's own emotion and the emotion of others, right? Uh, Human nature is you go to your strength uh, when you're involved in a conflict unless you're able to exercise emotional intelligence. And if your strength is the 9-millimeter that you have in your waist, um, there are a lot of people out there that are not going to hesitate reaching into their pants, grabbing their concealed weapon, waving it around in a very uh, haphazard way. Whether or not they ever use it is a, is a different story, but already the conflict is rising, right, with the presentation of a weapon. Um, it's not good. It's not and, good. You know, the, and and the I don't think the public... Life and death. Yeah, life and, and I don't... Ain't no taking it back. So... The other thing is, Larry, to consider, too, that I think a lot of folks aren't considering is that when you're stopped by the police, things are going to change as a result of this law. Because the assumption is going to be, for the most part, that everybody has the ability to carry. Right now, it, you know, people that carry a gun in their car kind of considered an extension of their home. It's in the glove compartment. It's in the you know contain that area between the bucket seats. It's under the seat or something else, and it's not on their person. But when people start carrying guns on their person, it kind of rises raises the excuse me the level of concern for police. I'm not sure the public's ready uh, to have to exit their vehicle all the time, put their hands on the side of their automobile and be patted down. But I suspect 
that that's the path that we're going. And I can't blame officers uh, because they want to go home to their family. They want to go home to their wife, their kids. They don't want to have to deal with this potential risk that's out there, and it's out there in too great of a fashion now. And I just think that we increase. Whether whether the person is law-abiding or not is really not the consideration here. The consideration is, is how does the officer view the potential threat of somebody having a weapon? They're not mind readers. They don't know who this person is, whether or not they're lawful, unlawful, record, no record, um, the ability to manage their emotion or the, the willingness to comply to verbal commands. And we see this recalcitrant, objectional approach by folks that are being stopped on the street all the time. And then you add to that the ability to carry a concealed handgun legally without a permit or otherwise. And as Sheriff Lepinto said earlier, that most of the time people that go through the process of getting a permit, they'll, they offer it up right away. I have a concealed gun permit. I have a weapon on me. You're not going to see that a lot, I don't think. And when I talk to, you know, folks in law enforcement in other states that have passed this, their level of ang- angst and anxiety has gone up. I don't know your thoughts, Larry. I agree 100%. Um, it, it, it makes no sense. And, it, it, and in, in making this happen in such a quick fashion without debate and without, you know, you know more more input scares scares me uh you know it's funny you you know we've over the last 20 or 30 years you know we've been fighting abortion and 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 trying to protect the life of the uh, the unborn um you know we we are taking life so casually uh the value of life so casually in these type of laws because because even if it's a mistake there's no turning back from a mistake. You, when somebody's dead, they're not coming back. I mean, we're talking about life and death. We're not talking about, to me, I almost assimilated to having no rules uh, driving in regards to, like, drunk driving. This is like saying, hey, you know, we're going to drop the drug, you know, good luck on the highway, you know. Well, it's I, interesting. I know. You know, you got to go through driver education. you got to go yeah. through driver education to drive a car. You got to have a special endorsement to drive a motorcycle. Um, you know, you got to go through a whole lot of training to do to do a whole lot of different things out there that are are as much or equally as dangerous as possessing and utilizing a weapon. Um, you know, when you have people that don't really train themselves in how to clear their weapon if there's a jam or whatever. These are all things that happen where, you know, you put people at risk because they're pointing guns all over the place. Look, we have accidental discharges on, on, on the firing line in our own police academy. There's, there's hardly a police academy that goes that you don't have an instance that occurs like that where they're constantly reminding folks, hey, hey, point the weapon downrange. Hey, hey, that's not the appropriate way to clear your weapon. Hey, hey, you're putting people at risk with what you're doing. And these are folks that train every year. Um, So I don't know, you know, how this is going to ultimately play out. I heard that there may be a move afoot that you can't can't drink till you're 21 in this state. 
why would we want to arm an 18-year-old? And I've heard that there may be an amendment to the bill that you cannot uh, carry concealed till 21. What makes me nervous is when we start making all of these caveats, uh, you know, exceptions to the general rule, uh, because the general rule becomes then very, very clouded, and it means that there are a lot more concerns than people were willing to articulate and debate. And you're right. They suspended the rules in order to make these allow these bills to go through this process in a much quicker fashion. Typically, you do this when you have a controversial bill and you don't want the other side to gain momentum on these bills. It's just not a good look, and it's just, in my view, not necessary. And I'm not talking for or against any of these bills. I'm just saying, in general, it's not a good look. I favor debate. I favor hearing both sides. Um, and if you can't stand up and support your side, then there's something wrong uh, here, and there's something wrong with the process. Larry, thank you so much for the call. Let's go to Billy. Billy, you're up. Welcome to the show. Hey, Noel. Good afternoon. I want to ask you, what's the difference if I have a gun on my hip with my shirt tucked in versus untucked? Your argument is it's absolutely crazy. Law-abiding citizens are going to carry guns responsible. It, it has... You're causing fear panic from a cop. Pan- That's ridiculous. How many people open carry now? There's no, no difference if I have that open carry versus not. And you know just as well as I know the concealed carry permit class is a joke. Half the time you pay just to get your certificate. So there's no quality training in that. Uh, I don't see the difference in having a concealed carry versus open carry at all. Well, you, where do you fall on the training issue? You, you see no value in that? Well, I personally witness training some, you, but you you probably have ninety ninety five percent of its its tens of what that's your certification. That's not my question. Do you value training? Do you think it's worthy? Yes, and, and I'm going to train myself. Would, would, would you would you hang out? Own. Would you hang out with a bunch of people with weapons who have never been trained? A- absolutely not. Why? Well, you just mentioned I value my life and safety, right? But uh, thank you. I'm You're making my rather thank you. You to unconceal, you know. Thank you, thank you. Well, You're making my case. Open carry. Well, how does that relate to someone being open carry versus this? This law says well, you don't need a permit. No one asked. No one asked me about open carry, Billy. If you ask me about open carry, look, I, I have probably ninety weapons, right? Some I've never even shot that I just bought as an investment. So I, I'm a gun toter, all right? I, I'm not against okay. guns, but I'm not going to carry guns unless I train myself, unless I use it. When you know, when I you know, when I was out there and I was carrying guns, I was I was shooting hundreds, if not thousands, of rounds of ammunition a year. Uh, because familiarity with the weapon is very, very important. And it's not; it's more important in the way that you handle that weapon when you're not using it, in some cases, than when you're using it. And we don't have enough time to go through that explanation, but I, but I can tell you that it's a problem. And when the moment I ask people the same question I just asked you, well, of course not. I wouldn't hang around with people that are just 
doing that and, and, you know, going out to shoot with them. No, I wouldn't do it. I value my life. Exactly. But you never know where you're going to be. So let's let's take grocery shopping, for example. Do you want to go into a store where there's potentially 20 people in that store carrying a concealed handgun? I don't. <laughs> I have an ex- expectation and an anticipation that hopefully I'll be able to shop in a, in a grocery store and not have... 20 people I don't know anything about. I don't know who they are. I don't know their their mental capacity or otherwise carrying a weapon, carrying it concealed. If it's not concealed, I can see it. I can make a conscious decision. Do I want to stay in the perimeter of this individual at this point in time? If it's concealed, I don't get to make that choice. So I see a huge difference in open carry as opposed to concealed carry. Because if I see it, I'm, I'm telling you right now what I'm doing. I'm leaving. These people that are marching out on the streets where they're, they're out there carrying, you know, uh, semi-automatic rifles and this and that and pistols, and they're loaded up with two and three guns. You think I'm hanging around there? Absolutely not. And it may be that he may be the most law-abiding citizen in the world. But what about the guy that's standing next to him who may not be armed, who can simply disarm that individual and want to do something that's out of the ordinary? I ain't taking that risk. Why would I want, why would I want to take that risk? And, that, and that's, the whole, that's the whole point here. And, look, I get it. I understand what, 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 what folks are saying. I don't know that everybody understands the responsibility and the downstream implications of when you pull a gun and what it ultimately, and if you discharge that weapon, uh, what it ultimately means to that person's life. And what happens is, is when we have these stories that are being told, there's always going to be a governmental legislative reaction to it. And we get to a point of no return in what we're trying to do to remedy this, remedy that. Innocent victim gets shot. What happens now? Uh, everything is absolutely changing. It becomes incredibly fluid. And that's why I don't like when we uh, dispense with the rules of moving these bills so fast through there. I mean, I think there's value in time, letting letting the opposition talk uh, about these things. You, you have rural sheriffs and rural law enforcement that don't feel it as strongly as we do urban. They know everybody. I mean, we make more arrests in a day than they make in their jurisdictions in a year. So it's not as apparent and as overt in their community as it could potentially be in our community. And then when you move it from open carry to concealed, it now becomes covert. And there are a lot of dec- I like being empowered with making a decision. See a guy walking in a grocery store with a gun on his side, you know, whether it's a six-shooter, semi-automatic, or whatever, I'm leaving. I'm not staying. There's another grocery store three blocks down. I'll go there. I'm not staying there because I value my life. I want to go home to my wife. I want to see my my children, my grand my granddaughter. My mother, um, I'm not staying. It's not worth it. 
And it's not it's certainly not worth the bread and the ham and the cheese that I'm buying to make me a ham and cheese sandwich. I can get that somewhere else. That's just one one person's opinion. And I know people are very emotional about this issue. Uh, almost as much as we are about the legalization of marijuana. It's amazing to me that some issues that we get so emotional about that really don't impact the economic quality of our life day in and day out, and, and others we don't. But that that's America. That's the beauty of, of, our, of our constitutional republic. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of risk with this, and I don't understand why. I don't attest to the theory that this absolutely makes people safer. I, I, I don't attest to that theory. So the text line says your caller was absolutely right that you're trying to put unnecessary fear in people. I, I'm not putting unnecessary fear in folks. I'm just throwing out situations to consider as it relates to this issue. It's not fear. I want people to familiarize themselves with their weapon to become proficient with their weapon, because if they decide to use their weapon, I don't want them to suffer the downstream implications, complications of their actions under the law that they may find themselves in jail. You, you just can't, you, you can't take this and, and not take it serious and not deal with it seriously. Because there are responsibilities when you decide to pull that gun. And people just need to recognize that. If you want to carry a firearm, and if the legislature passes this, I was not one of those constitutional sheriffs ever that said, oh, I disagree with that law. I'm I'm not going to support it, and I'm not going to enforce it. No, I've never been that way. If the legislature passes the bill... There's going to, every one of these elected sheriffs are going to have to figure out how to deal uh, with this issue. Everyone will. I just like, I go back to open carry. They, they, that was the question. I, that didn't offend me as much because I knew there was somebody with a weapon, and then I can leave. Let's go to Thomas. Thomas, you're up. What say you? Well, first of all, Neil, I'd like to thank you for your service. And also, I am a former Jefferson Parish resident. I always felt very safe with you. Um, Well, thank you, sir. The last couple of years, my wife and I moved out of town because I got tired of carrying a pistol in my car when I go into Orleans Parish. That being said, I have more guns and rifles than probably Cabela's has. But I was trained in the Marine Corps, and I was properly trained. And if I had my way, which I don't, I would make sure that everyone has a license to carry a firearm. And if you go from a single shot to a semi-automatic, you would get degrees of license, just like if you drive a car and go to a school bus or a taxi cab. The more lethal and more dangerous the weapon becomes, you should have a class and or make sure that you are safe to carry that weapon. Uh, That being said, I have mixed feelings about the concealed carry. However, I am glad 
that you have an option um, uh, that I will be able to carry it. And I am very, very safe. But just like you said, that means everyone's safe. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Thomas, thank you so much for the call. Uh, it's um, <clears throat> it's going to present challenges. There, there's no doubt about that. And it's going to be interesting to see um, how this plays out. Um, I think a lot a lot of people will be a, a lot more alert. I know I'll, I'll be. Um, you know, I was one that I didn't always uh, tote a gun. Uh, even even when I was sheriff, uh, I I could probably count on one hand or uh, the number of times that I ever had a weapon on me when I went into the French Quarter, because I knew the possibility was going to be that we would stop, maybe have a drink, visit a bar, get something to eat. We were down there to have fun. I did not want to be in the situation where something would happen and. I would have to explain it away having alcohol in my system. So I didn't carry it. I'm not so sure that everybody, a lot of folks are so safe and secure in their approach to that. So it's just an observation. We'll be right back. We'll check in with Scoot. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We'll continue to report uh, out as to what's going on with the concealed uh, carry uh bill as it makes its way through the legislature. But I agree, you know, when you suspend the rules and you try to have things move more quickly, less able for folks to make themselves aware of what's actually happening and being able to opine, I just don't find that being healthy. Um, And I don't know what the ultimate motivation was to do so, but I just don't find it healthy. Scoot joins us. He's coming your way. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, we're going to talk about uh, a school dress code that uh, promotes discipline, but some people say it's racist. And, you know, this has been an argument that's gone on uh, many times before. Also, we'll, t- we'll talk about the, the legislative session that's, uh, that's going on and uh, an update on that. And then um, got some great bumper music planned for uh, today. And then we'll talk about um, the uh, Native Americans in the Kansas City area. Uh, is Kansas City, are the Kansas City Chiefs, is Taylor Swift, is this ruining their heritage? They seem to think that it's ruining their heritage. So um, we'll try and figure out what they mean by that because I can't figure it out. <laughs> I can't either, I'm sure. Scoot's coming up. Stay tuned, folks. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 